This is the Six Gun Justice Podcast with wordslingers Paul Bishop and Richard Brosh. Hello and welcome. I'm Paul Bishop. With me is my buddy Richard Prosh, and we are your co-host for the Six Gun Justice Podcast. How you doing, Rich? Great, Paul. Uh, we're excited to share our enthusiasm for the Western genre here in all forms of media, uh, books, movies, and TV. And anything else that goes along with it, from graphic novels to comics to old-time radio shows to all the new guys that are working in the genre. Right. Since this is our first podcasting experience, we wanted to do a dress rehearsal to make sure we knew what we were doing. Ha ha. Right. Um, I'm not sure either one of us knows <laughs> what we're doing at any given time. A practice episode sounded like a good idea until we sat down and looked at it and decided we would probably lose a certain amount of spontaneity doing that that way when we went to record the official episode number one. So we came up with something else. Episode zero, and that's what you're listening to now. This is going to be an introductory show. We're just going to talk about our inspirations for uh, the podcast, why we're doing it, and what our goals are for it. So we're going to have fun with this. We wanted to make a Western genre podcast that we would actually listen to, um, the kind of thing that could connect with a larger Western fan base out there, which we think is an under underserved Western fan base. Yeah, I mean, the audience for Westerns doesn't seem to make a lot of noise these days, but we know you guys are out there. If you look at the Western section in any library, you see that the books are all beat up and battered, uh, even the, the ones that have recently been published, which means that those books are being checked out and read. They are. The, the few chain bookstores that are still out there have expanded their Western sections to accommodate the demand. When I go into stores, I see the William Johnstone brand everywhere, uh, the continued demand for Louis L'Amour novels, which are continuously in print. Other writers uh, or Western brands like Dusty Richards, Ralph Compton, uh, Ralph Cotton, our our buddy Pete Brandvold has books everywhere. And and the fact of the matter is that brick and mortar bookstores, they do not give shelf space to books that don't sell. That's right. And what I've seen is that their Western sections have gone from one small shelf to a whole bookcase full. Now, correct, they're dominated by certain specific authors, but somebody has to be buying those books. And those are the fans we want to reach out to and connect to. I donated a lot of used books to friends of the library bookstores. And I can't believe how fast they disappear. I mean, they can barely get them on the shelves before they're, they're you know, out in the wild again. I'm really excited about that. I want to bring, both of us want to bring that audience all together and uh, to talk about the things that we really love in the Western genre. What was your first exposure to Western genre, Rich? Well, I, I grew up in Nebraska on a cattle farm. So cattle were always around, working cattle, uh, working with horses, working outside. Uh, it was it was always a part of my life. It was a part of my family's life because uh, our family farm goes back a couple generations. Uh, in fact, my grandpa always read Western paperbacks. So I was exposed to it outside and inside. I was exposed to it through him, through his books. And then also, like so many of us, through the TV shows that were in syndication at the time. What about you, Paul? I first, first exposure was really the Magnificent Seven, the movie, the original. 
Uh, I was about 10 years old at the time, and, and that movie made an impression that has stayed with me for the rest of my life. It's, it's just a movie that had so much in it to, to excite a 10-year-old boy's imagination, as well as uh, give them an example of, of manhood and people who stood up for what they thought was right. For sure. It really wasn't until my teens when I actually discovered Louis L'Amour that I really fell in love with the Western genre. Louis L'Amour, you know, once I started reading through his canon of books, it took me to other writers in the Western genre trying to find somebody that was as good and as entertaining. And there are a lot of them out there. Talking about things, there was a lot of them out there. What, uh, let's talk about our top five, all right? So one of your top five, as far as I know, is pretty unsung, isn't he? He is. I, I'd say uh, he's probably my, my top writer, right now. Uh, and, you know, my favorite Western author can change uh, weekly sometimes, but over the years, a few rise to the top and stay there. And, and one of them that has been there for me is Steve Frazee. Um, Steve Frazee uh, is a Colorado native. He worked in heavy construction. He worked in engineering, and he brings that knowledge to everything he writes. Um, so for instance, if it's a railroad grading, uh, if it, you know, making a road, if it's building a, a mine shaft, these these kinds of things show up, and I, I really appreciate that that firsthand knowledge, that that real sense of that he knows what he's talking about. He he also just can do it all. He writes short story uh, novels, and uh, he even penned an entry in Whitman's juvenile TV tie-in series. Oh yeah, so that was uh, the Bonanza Killer Line, right. right? Yes, and and we've got a we've got a review it right, on the uh, on the blog at sixamjustice.com uh, now. Frazy, on your recommendation, I'm going to have to look for some more of his stuff. My only rec- my only experience with him was a uh, a novelization, an original novel that he wrote for, uh, as a novelization for the show The Outcasts with Don Murray, okay. which was a season show that I really thoroughly enjoyed. And I remember reading that. I read a lot of novelizations, and that one by Frazy was uh, well above par for that kind of book. And so I'm, I'm interested to give him a try again. My favorite novel by uh, Frazee is a, an older book called Utah Hellguns. And it sounds like a rousing, uh, action-packed Western, <laughs> which it is to a certain extent, but it's also a story, again, about building a railroad. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and it's that kind of thing that Louis L'Amour also brings to his books is this this experience. They, you feel like they've been there and done that stuff and, and you're sitting around a campfire with them and they're telling you this story and you're just riveted. Absolutely. Louis L'Amour will always be somewhere in my top five authors like you. My, my top two or three, four or five can change from, from day to day even, depending on who I'm reading and what I'm reading. Uh, but Louis L'Amour is always there. I just find that, uh, you know, his Sackett stories of books like Iron Marshall. Now, are there any clangers in the Louis L'Amour canon? Probably, but but I'm happy to read those too. And and those are the exception. They aren't the rule. The guy's a solid storyteller. He's also, outside of the Western genre and people that read in there, for the wider audience, for the wider reading audience, he's the name that everybody turns yes. to. Everybody knows Louis L'Amour. Now, I, I think the first thing that I read by Lamour uh, was a short story called Home in the Valley, which isn't very descriptive, but it's uh, it's about a guy who has to ride a horse across the country and get his payroll money to the bank before the the bad guys uh, snatch it from him. And it's a it's a just a riveting story, and you know there was so much uh, so much description and so much characterization in this guy's head as he's as he's riding and he's wearing out horse after horse after horse and. 
it, it, it was just a, a great story that really caught my imagination and made me read more by Lamore, made me go look for him. Uh, so he is probably number two on my list. Who, who, who would yeah. be number? Well, let, let me just finish with Lamore because uh, just last night I read a, a reference to a Lamore book that I hadn't read called The Broken Gun. Oh, okay. And it, it, it just is kind of a, one of his le- obviously lesser known books, uh, but the, the setup is it's a modern Western. It's set in 1966, and the hero of the piece is a writer of Westerns who does all this kind of historical research and is fascinated by this, you know, 1866 disappearance of cattle, uh, uh, you know, a herd of cattle on a cattle drive, and he goes to investigate that. And I thought, okay, I'm already sold on this story. Uh, I'm there, right? So I don't care which way he goes with it. Um uh, I want to read that story. So I had to go to my shelves today and, and dig around in my old uh, copies of Louis L'Amour and, and pull that out. So I'll, I'll be reading that in the next couple of days. Beyond Louis L'Amour, uh, I would have to say that that uh, Ben Haas, who is uh, also known as John Benton, writes the Fargo novels as well as the Sundance series. Fargo novels are just, uh, they are so much fun. They are so well written. Uh, he's such a great character that, I I have to put all of that entire series right right on the top shelf of of my favorites. Uh, they are westerns, definitely westerns, but they're also set in Alaska, the Philippines, Mexico, and it kind of gives it an international flavor to it that you don't find in many of the other books. I love the Fargo. That's series. a great series, and it's set uh, right at the end of the Wild West era in the nineteen teens. Um, and Fargo, uh, like you said, Paul, he travels all over. Whenever I read a Fargo novel, I always feel right at home. Uh, there's a certain f- formula that uh, Haas uses uh, that, that Fargo usually uh, finds the job. And then right at the start of the book sometime, he goes into his hotel room or wherever he's staying and he lays out his arsenal. And he takes out his, <laughs> his gun, which uh, is inscribed to him from Teddy Roosevelt. And, and he goes through that. And you know, there's usually a, a girl, a romantic interest involved. And it, it, they're just a lot of fun. Comfort reading. It really is. is. Best. Really is. Now, you, you've told me about another one of your favorite authors uh, who's better known for nonfiction. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, uh, Marie Sandoz. You know, um, she was born in Nebraska in 1896, uh, which makes her a contemporary with my great-grandma and my great-aunt, um, both of who were, whom were inspirations to me with their stories of old Nebraska and working in Nebraska in the 19-teens. Um, and stories from from their parents. So that Western Nebraska Sand Hills uh, vibe that Marie Sandoz brings to her books. Uh, growing up, you just you couldn't not be touched by her work, Old Jewels. Um, my favorite is her profile on Crazy Horse, which was published in 1942, and it was way ahead of its time, I, I think, for uh, just the the way she made the character or the, the actual person come alive. Um, so yeah, not a lot of fiction necessarily, but the nonfiction reads like fiction with great characters. This is what I love about the Western genre. It is so vast. It is so wide. There's so many people that have contributed to it that even though I consider myself pretty well versed in the genre, there are still discoveries waiting for me. You know, even we've talked about two here. I really need to read more Steve uh, Frazee. And and now you're talking about uh, Mary uh, Sandoz. Sandoval. Is yeah. that it? S-A-N-D-O-Z. Mary Sandoz. Well, I, I'm ready to go find those books right now. 
So, you know, we talked about uh, the Whitman tie-ins, uh, which were actually juvenile books. And one of them we talked about being written by Steve Tracy, right. the tie-in to Bonanza. Um, what, what was interesting is that some really hard-boiled authors like Frazee, writing adult novels, wrote these, uh, um, a lot of these Whitman tie-ins. Another guy, H.A. DeRoso, who writes uh, really hardcore Western noir, probably some of the toughest stuff out there, wrote the yes, Johnny Yuma tie-in for Whitman. And then my next, uh, my next favorite author up, uh, he also uh, wrote for them. Uh, Harry Whittington. Harry Whittington was the king of the paperbacks. Uh, he is a guy that uh, there's not a genre he didn't write in, but he really, for me, uh, I think he felt most at home in the Western genre. And every book of his is, you know, Fawcett Gold Medal classic. They are short, 128, 150 pages. They get right to the point, And there's just this driving force behind them. And Whittington was a master at that. Um, I'm actually reading one right now called uh, Trouble Rides Tall, one of his westerns. And I just want to read a little paragraph from that to give you a flavor of it. Zach laughed. About time for you to retire, ain't it, Marshall? When you know there's one faster man, there might be two. And just one, that's too many. No, I think you ought to retire. Schaefer turned on his heel, facing Zach suddenly. His face was as white as the crust of the dry lake. His voice lashed out savagely, but low, through his taut throat. There's been a lot of men faster than me, Zach. A lot of them, but they're gone. <laughs> That's I'm great. Here. Yeah. Hey, top notch. I love that, right? Turn the page. Absolutely. Turn the page. Let's you know, go. Paul, I, I uh, <laughs> met Whittington through his westerns, through the Ace Double. All right. So give me a couple uh, more of your to guys. To round out the top five, I would have to say Elmer Kelton, because, uh, again, another guy who just, he knew the cow business. Uh, he knew what he was talking about. When you read his work, it just, there's such a depth. To the fiction, it, it just grounds you in in his world, and uh, uh, Gordon Sheriff. Before we get to Sheriff with with Elmer Kelton, um, the, the time it never rained and the day the Cowboys are both his, right? Are those those are both his, right? And they're, they're fantastic. Those are I, though I've read both of those by him, and uh, I I think I'm, those I are two classics the uh, of the Western genre, for sure. Now. Gordon Sheriffs, I don't Gordon know D. that Sheriffs, much about him, so tell me. Uh, a guy who started out, he, he served in World War II in the Aleutian Islands, uh, and when he came back, he decided he wanted to write for a living. So he started out with the pulps, like so many of our Western writer heroes. Uh, he started writing for the pulps and uh, comic books as well. He did Roy Rogers comics. And then uh, the time was right. He was able to move into the Fawcett Gold Medal uh, original paperbacks knocked out a bunch of those, and uh, we'll be doing some reviews on our website on the uh, uh, Six Gun Justice website of Sheriffs because I've got a, a big pile of books here that I've read. So, what about you, Paul? Couple, couple more. Um, you know, a couple more to mention for me. Uh, Claire Huffaker uh, is a guy that uh, was very well known for being able to change his books uh, into uh, movie scripts. So, War Wagon was one of them. Uh, he did uh, Flaming Star, the book that the Elvis movie was based on, originally called Flaming Lance. Uh, but Hoffaker arguably wrote the greatest Western ever written, as far as I'm concerned, and that's The Cowboy and the Cossack. It's, uh, it's just an amazing story of uh, 15 cowboys going on a cattle drive uh, to Siberia. And it gets real complicated uh, and a lot of fun. 
Uh, it's a terrific book, and I'll be talking far more in depth about it in one of the upcoming episodes. And then finally, uh, Frank O'Rourke, um, he wrote a book uh, uh, called uh, uh, with uh, um, called A Mule for the Marquesa, which ended up being retitled The Professionals when the movie came out. And uh, he is just one of the guys that came out of the pulps and is a, a solid storyteller. And, you know, the, the Professionals is one of my favorite movies. Um, and that's what really got me in depth into reading him. And, and he really is a favorite. wrote uh, so. The Bravados, which was also a movie with uh, Gregory Peck. Yeah. And uh, the, the book and the movie are a little different in yeah. that case. Um, but I saw the movie first. Um, I think the book is superior. But it's a, it's a good movie too. So yeah, my work. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know the the professionals is pretty close to to the movie. Um, you know, they're they're two different mediums. So sometimes it's it's really uh, nonsensical to claim that they you know the two weren't the same. Sometimes they needed to be changed for the better. But uh, when we talk about that, you know, television is a different uh, medium as well. And uh, I know one of your favorites, and I'm going to challenge you on it a bit. So. What's one of your favorite TV shows, Rich? Well, my favorite I'm TV show is The Rifleman. Or favorite Western show is The Rifleman. Um, and, you know, now that I, I said that, actually, it might be my favorite TV show. Um, because what's not to love? I mean, the big guy with the rifle, that opening scene that we all know so well. Sam Peckinpah, who later went on to fame in motion pictures, started uh, The Rifleman, produced that, and bringing the dark and gritty to the overall concept and production. I like that, but what really uh, nailed it for me as a kid, I would come in you know, from doing my chores, and I would see that relationship between Lucas McCain and his son Mark, and it, it really struck home. Right. Bingo. Right. And Johnny I think that's Crawford. where you're going to challenge me. Right. Uh, right. And, there, and there's my rub. Yeah. So uh, I love the concept of the rifleman. I love Chuck uh, Connors. And when he was on the screen, I was riveted. But but uh, Johnny Crawford, who's a really nice guy, I think he's having some health problems at the moment. But I've met him and he really is a wonderful individual. But at the time when Johnny Crawford's character <laughs> came on the screen as a little whiny so-and-so, I just wanted to get back to the action. <laughs> and that's mean, I know, right? And I'm in, I'm, I'm in the minority, well, I get it. It was, it was always a rub for me with that show. There wasn't anything um, else on I'd your, watch. Your top TV show, I believe, also features a fella with a unique gun. Yeah, th- this idea of the uh, gimmick guns that they had on all of these shows. I mean, the Rifleman's Winchester with the big hoop on it. In this case, it was the mayor's leg carried by uh, Steve McQueen and Wanted Dead or Alive. And what I always loved about that is the bullets for the mayor's leg were too small to show up on the gun belt. So they put bigger bullets on his gun belt just to make it show up in the television show. But Wanted Dead or Alive is a favorite of mine, I think, partly because uh, of McQueen and it's really the start of his legend. And then the interesting thing is that that show, it's about a bounty hunter. And it was a hard sell because bounty hunters in those days were thought to be really bad guys, cowards, backshooters, that type of thing. So to have a main character in that fashion was a bit morally ambiguous. So uh, they would do things like they would have him uh, give back most of his bounty to the family of the man who was killed, who the bad guy who he brought in, those types of things. I mean, at one episode, he actually uh, takes on uh, going to hunt for a sheep. And in another episode, he he goes in to look for Santa Claus. So they, they kind of lightened up some of those episodes to the character palatable. But it wasn't really humorous, as we would take it, as your oh, right, next yeah. pick that I know uh, you're going to talk about. You know, and, and this, we can get into talking about the, the actors that portray uh, our characters and, and 
how we feel toward the actors. I could watch James Garner mow the grass. I grew up watching the Rockford Files. Uh, I have to go with my second pick would be Maverick, especially those episodes with Brett Maverick that Garner played so well. Now, Jack Kelly is fun to watch as Brett's brother, Bart. Uh, And for those of you that aren't familiar with the show, the one episode would feature Garner as Brett Maverick. And then the next episode would feature the brother, Bart, in his own episodes. It's kind of switch back and forth, hour long episodes. But I always liked the the charm of Garner. He, He could just steal the show. He could be serious, uh, he could be tough, but then he'd flash that million-dollar smile, and it had me. And it was my first exposure, too, to the, the kind of the uh, the gambler character that's uh, kind of a Western trope. So I, I really enjoy Maverick. The, the appeal of the performer is great. Yeah. yeah, it's an iconic show, and really the only one that was able to use humor in an appropriate manner. It was lighter than a lot of the other shows, but as you said, Garner had the ability also to be tough when he needed to be. Talking about the tough guys, you know, so many of the actors made these shows successful, like James Garner and Steve McQueen and Chuck Connors, but the next guy for me would be Clint Walker in Cheyenne. That was a show that really worked for me. Talk about a gentle giant guy. You really believe when you saw him sitting on a horse or you saw him in a fight. Yeah, he was able to do that. No question. (laughs) You know, and yet he he did it. You know, he'd always try to be do things the right way. The the simple. Exactly. But when push came to show, you got to love it. For me, again, you know, we talked about the Magnificent Seven being, you know, a big impression on me when I was younger. So that stays with me. And I think uh, the professionals with... uh, uh, Lee Marvin and and Burt Lancaster. That was you know I, that's a film that if I'm channel surfing and that comes up, I'm going to watch it no matter where it's it's starting from. And uh, Three Ten to Yuma, I also uh, uh, really get into. So you know the Glenn Ford uh, character. The Glenn Ford actually was supposed to be the Van Heflin character in that. That's what they wanted him for. And he said, Well, I only do the movie if I get to play the bad guy. And boy, did it work. And, you know, so really a a bromance movie of a, of a kind, a very, well, very in, odd uh, way, but it really Speaking works. of That's bromance movies, I, I, guess I have to go back to Peckinpah again uh, as a director and say Ride the High Country with Joel McRae, Randolph Scott, and uh, the lovely Mariette Hartley. That's a neat movie. I, I think that, you know, it's Woo-hoo! two guys who have worked together uh, at various points in their life, and they get back together as a, a couple old guys to uh, do one more job. And things may not be quite what they seem between the two, uh, but there's this characterization that uh, that Peckinpah brings to the the two men that uh, I think is just outstanding. And uh, lots of great scenery, as in so many of these westerns too. You know, just lots of great, great uh, vista shots that are, are panoramic shots that are wonderful. You know, I I'd watch anything with Randolph Scott in it, and I think we're probably going to have to do a, an in depth episode on on Randolph Scott and his films I, because I agree, he was such an iconic uh, Western actor. I really love his stuff. Um, you know, you know, iconic Western actors, of course. You know, uh, John Wayne, but for me, my favorite John Wayne film is The Searchers uh, because he plays so much against type there. Yeah, uh, his character in that is has a real dark side to him. You know, yeah, he's going to go on this hunt to find his niece, and but he's going to, not to bring her back, he's going to kill her because she's become an Indian now. And as far as he's concerned, that's the worst fate that could happen to a white girl. And, and that's a very, very tough well, film. Well, a and tough film, well The Outlaw Josie and, Wales. Uh, how about you? What uh, what be, else do you like? That would probably be my second pick. Uh, you know, there's a, there's oh, a yeah. scene there uh, toward the latter part of the movie or 
there in the in the movie where uh, uh, Josie talks to uh, the Comanche chief Ten Bears, and I, that scene is just uh, it just gives me goose pimples. Just a, a great great scene. Um, but uh, yeah, the you know I was thinking about the Magnificent Seven. I think we're going to do a an entire episode on the Magnificent Seven, aren't we? Yeah, I'll be there. I want to talk about the Magnificent Seven, uh, you know, and, and uh, the way that film came to be, and the the fallout from it, the sequels, the television show, and and the eventual uh, uh, reboot uh, uh, from 2015. So that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I think uh, if all goes to schedule, we'll be premiering the official Six Gun Justice podcast, uh, episode number one. www.sixgunjustice.com. And ah. we have reviews that we will post there, as well as just uh, various features, interviews with other writers, books to promote. And, and talking about promotion, uh, we want to assure listeners we will not use the podcast as a promotional platform for our own works. Uh, but in the sidebar of the website, if you're interested, you'll find links to our literary Western efforts, uh, both standalone. You can also and, find and the uh, so Six Gun Justice podcast books. page on Facebook. And if you want to reach uh-huh. out to us directly, you can email us at sixgunjusticewesterns at gmail.com. Terrific. And we'd you know, like to thank our buddies Tom Simon and Eric Compton, who do a fantastic job with their Paperback Warrior podcast. You really need to check out their weekly episodes and also their website, uh, which is www.paperbackwarrior.com. It's just a fantastic uh, effort by Tom and Eric. Absolutely. A um, couple of other shout outs before we wrap up episode zero. Um, be sure to check out uh, Hot Lead, the fanzine of vintage Western paperbacks on Amazon. Uh, there are currently three full color issues edited by our buddy Justin Marriott. There's a double size fourth issue coming soon. Anybody who is a fan of vintage Westerns needs these fanzines. They are absolutely I, terrific. I second that. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know about fanzine these, of, uh, vintage Western these uh, publications you until you turned me onto them, Paul. I, I love them. Um, and you can always find us along with uh, the Paperback Warrior guys, a whole bunch of book enthusiasts that hang out together regularly in the Men's Adventure Paperbacks of the 20th Century Facebook group. Lots of Westerns that show up there. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the typical Men's Adventure series. It's an amazing group of guys who are generous, knowledgeable. There is absolutely no drama there, which makes it my favorite place, if not the only place that I go to hang out on Facebook. Uh, tons of book sharing, trading. And uh, for the support of all our listeners, including those of you who are supporting us with donations to our Six Gun Justice Patreon page. And uh, let's ride. Join us in two weeks for another episode of the Six Gun Justice Podcast, sponsored by Wolfpack Publishing, bringing you the best of the West, including the Avenging Angels and Gunslinger series by A.W. Hart and many other best-selling Westerns available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. <laughs>